Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, TNT analyst Kevin McKay. I tell you what, for Vikings fans... Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of The Nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip off. Welcome, welcome. The March Madness edition of the Hangtime Podcast is upon us. Seku Smith of the Hangtime blog and NBA.com here. My Michigan Wolverines are in the tournament. Lang Whitaker, executive editor of Slam Magazine. Your Georgia Bulldogs are in the show. Rough, rough. <laughs> Lane Krause, the man pushing all the right buttons in there. His Syracuse Orange men are, are definitely in the building. He's in there pumping his fist. And Micah Hart, our super producer, his his allegiances are all over the place here. The guys, he's oh, he's throwing up the hook 'em horns there, Lang. Oh, so uh, his <laughs> his horns are in the dance as well. Uh, the NBA's version of March Madness is going on right now as well. Uh, you know, we got all these teams <laughs> fighting their way to the playoffs, but it's you know, this is if you're a basketball lover and you just love basketball, not you know, you're not differentiating between you know, I'm a college fan or I'm a NBA fan. You don't get much better than this time of year right now, Lang. Because yeah, well, I mean, I don't know with the new schedule because there's games that start tomorrow. For the college tournament, but uh, Thursday and Friday, Saturday, Sunday are usually <laughs> like four like the the most worthless days as far as me getting work done. <laughs> the games start at noon and they go all night basically, it's yes. all day long. And, yes, and um, it's just nonstop basketball. I mean, it's wall to wall hoops. Uh, now and now it's on all these other channels, which I got to go home and study the. The cable got a little bit because I got to find out where some of these other channels are. Um, I saw they tweeted this morning. I haven't looked yet, but I think on uh, on the March Madness website they have like a channel finder for your yes your zip code and it shows you where where the channels are. Man, I need it. Cause I got to find that True TV HD. I was just laughing with uh, Steve Smith upstairs about that. I told him <laughs> I was like uh, I was like, do you know what channel True TV is is on our cable? And he's like, uh, <laughs> he's like, I don't know. You know, but I'm fine. I got to find it. Um, People will find it. Yeah, yeah. Be, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize now. <laughs> so he started doing construction. That's, that's classy. Who is that doing that? Who's banging I have no the... idea. It just started as soon as It's behind a wall. I don't know what's going on. New York City. Welcome. I mean, come on, man. Uh, that's all right, though. That's all right. Uh, Lang, last week we spent our entire time examining the Miami Heat uh, and, and all their issues. Now... Uh, this week, 
big win over the Lakers last Thursday on TNT and in a in a blowout win over my my uh Memphis Hangtime Grizzlies. And here they are undefeated after, you know, their last in their last two and facing the Spurs in a huge game which uh you know they they got a little payback I'm sure in mind for the Spurs after getting beat by 30. Um well I mean they they play San Antonio tonight and yeah. they, but they also play Oklahoma City on Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, they got a. Uh, I mean, the schedule doesn't ease up at all for them. Yeah, and then they 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 play. They have a tough little run coming up here. I mean, they already went through. I mean, I'm looking right now at their schedule. The last six games, the, every game this month's been against a playoff team. Right. <laughs> hey, tell hear this? tell the construction crew like we are we are busy working here. <laughs> I really don't know what's going on. <laughs> I love it. I love that background noise. Uh um but yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a rugged stretch for them and like I said, I always make jokes this time of year that hey, the NBA has its own version of March Madness. And when you really look at it, it's it's crunch time for a lot of teams, the teams that are fighting it out for those, you know, those eighth, seventh and eighth spots in the playoff picture and then the teams in the top 4 spots that are if you're tight enough to be jockeying for position, you you know this is a this is the the really maddening time of the year for you as well because every loss now to me seems more magnified when you're in the midst of these races to try and figure out where you're going to fit in the playoffs. Yeah, you can't you you can't just say oh okay we're going to work on this. This is the time that we've been waiting for all year. Yeah, so um, you, I mean you, you can't they matter. There's five weeks left. Right from today. Great. I'm glad you threw a t- time frame on there for me because that was a little foggy on that, but. Who who do you feel like is and and I say this knowing that the Lakers dropped like seven of their last eleven before the postseason started up last season and ended up winning the title. So it's hard to it's hard to get too you know caught up in what's going on you know right now and assuming that's going to dictate what happens in the playoffs. But who do you feel like is showing you some championship you know fiber right now in the league? Uh, a team that we might have not expected. Not necessarily somebody we didn't expect, but, I mean, just give me a list of the teams you feel like have shown you up to this point that, hey, yeah, we're capable of. You know, I mean, even the Celtics right. with their struggles last year, you knew they were good enough to make the finals if they played, you know, to the level they could. And, they, you know, even though they had a, a weird season coming kind of up and down, regular season, fourth, I think, you know, they got the fourth seed last year in the playoffs and ended up making the finals. There's, who has shown you on each side that they're that they're capable I think Boston's still there. And, um, you know, the team that's surprising me is uh, Chicago mm-hmm. a little bit. I was talking about them today because, you know, I, I didn't – I thought Thibodeau would be fine, but I, I didn't think it would happen this quick and right. get everyone to buy in and Derrick Rose to kind of improve as much as he's improved this year and uh, <laughs> for them to get uh, production from their bigs like they've gotten and Boozer to fit in. It, I, I think they've been fantastic, and that's a team that I don't think people are – kind of keeping up i mean they're they're nine and one in their last 10 right you know like they're they're still rolling right now and that's i think they're going to be the team that could surprise some people heading into the the playoffs yeah i feel like uh and i and i wrote about it this morning on the hang time blog i feel a little bad we uh, last week we did a deal where we were talking about who your mvp candidates and and i kind of gave dwight howard just a backhanded cursory mention i didn't realize how well he's played uh, yeah recently i mean he's he's been doing the deed and i feel like if orlando you know if you could get one guy to carry a team deep into the playoffs he's the kind of guy that could do it because of the position he plays and how exactly. well he plays it 
Um, so I'm, I'm kind of taking another look at Orlando. But you mentioned Derrick Rose, great point guard. And uh, our first guest on the Hangtime Podcast, March Madness Edition, is a guy who's had a some so a wealth of experience on both sides. Not you know not just in the NBA, but in college as well. Kenny Anderson, a favorite of the program, here is joining us now. Ka, what's happening, man? Hey, cool. What's going on, man? How you doing? <laughs> Lang and I are here, and we're talking about March Madness and the NBA yeah, and all this stuff and how how it kind of bleeds together at this time of year. And it's you can't ask for better. Give us a little idea of what it was like for you being on center stage this time of year in college, and, and yeah. then what it looked like to you and you know reflecting once you got into the league. Well, every time around this time of year, every time I get like, you know, I I, I get so many memories going on. You know, I'm a big college guy. I watched a lot of the games, and it brings back so much and so many memories, especially Selection Sunday, seeing what region you're gonna go in, team. You know what seed you get. You know it's just it's just exciting. I know what some of those young guys are going through right now. Right. And with me, 1990, I had a great run. Led Georgia Tech all the way to the Final Four as a freshman. And um, this, you know, we just had the city of Atlanta going crazy. The the, the fans they had a just a college hoopla. It's, it's just awesome. Kenny, uh, this is Lang from Slam. We did a thing today on our website where yeah. we asked all the Slam writers to pick their favorite college players of all time. Yeah. Yeah. You were the only. You were the only player to get multiple number one votes. I bet. I better, man. I better. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna shoot my own horn, man. I killed, man. I killed college basketball that year, man. As a freshman, I killed it. I killed it, man. I had a great run, man. Yeah, I just, you know, I thank Dennis Scott and Brian Oliver too. You know, they made my job a lot easier, and definitely Coach Crimmon. He just gave me the ball and let me do my thing. So, you know, I, I just had a great college career the two years at Georgia Tech. Yeah, Kenny, Georgia Tech's coach was was fired over the weekend, yeah. Paul Hewitt, and you know for those of us who live here in Atlanta, you know one of the, the the things that jumped out after that was you talked to the AJC a little bit about wanting to come back and and be a part yeah. of the new, the next staff at Georgia Tech. What do you, I mean? How do you go about getting in the mix with something like that at your uh, alma you know at your alma mater and, and basically at a place where you help build the tradition? Yeah, I don't really. Hey, cool. I, I, I said a few words yesterday, and I'd rather just fall back on that. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't want to get really into that. You know, um, they understand, you know, um, you know, who wouldn't be, you know, excited to come back to the alma mater and be a coach on a, a coach's task. But right. I'd rather not, you know, I'd rather wait. You yeah. know, I know they're going to have a hard decision on who they're going to bring in as a head coach. I would never, you know, they would probably never give me the opportunity to be ahead because you know I haven't had that experience on a college uh, right. level. But um, you know, I, I'd rather not really discuss it no more. Just you know, let's see what 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 uh, angle or who they decide to go after, and then go from there. Yeah, Kenny. Uh, just speaking in general, not about Georgia Tech specifically, but do you think college coaching is is something you'd rather go into, or NBA yeah. assistant coaching, or which one do you think is a better fit for you? Yeah, I, you know, I I, I can. I can go both ways, but I love the college game, and it's more of a, of a bond with the with the young kids at college. Right, um, mentoring is a little more mentoring, being a mentor, being a leader, and um, I think I, I fit that position very well with all the life lessons and everything I've been through in my life. My short, you know, short brief time on Earth, only forty years old, but I, I think I got a lot of wisdom and knowledge to give off to some of these young young men trying to get to the NBA level. But, um, you know, I got some things in the works with the college thing. So 
So okay. it's getting, I feel it's getting closer. Right. But I would always keep the door open for the NBA because, you know, I think I'd be a great, you know, part of the NBA uh, player development. You know, trying, you know, some of these young guys coming in, you know, uh, coming into the league. You know, I, I think, I, like I said, I got a lot of knowledge and wisdom to give off. And that's what I've been doing after retiring. I, I started with the youth, so I've been trying to go give back, give back to the game, right. not only the game, but to some of these young men trying to make certain decisions with their lives. Not even not only basketball, but in general, in, in, in life, you know, just trying to give off uh, advice. And I think it's my duty to do that because, you know, basketball has been so great, to, you know, for me. Kenny, what's your impression of the college game right now in terms of you know, the quality of play. You know, when you played, guys weren't leaving straight from high school yeah. necessarily to go to the NBA, so it was a, it was kind of a different monster. Now, you know, you, you see these Jimmer Fredettes and some of these other guys who are, you know, three- and four-year college guys who are sticking around. Is, is it as dramatically different to you looking at these players in college now as, you know, compared to when you played? Yes, it's, it's definitely big. It's definitely all the technology is different. Got Twitter, got Facebook, got all this type of stuff. They get more exposed, but a lot of these kids are getting the wrong advice. They're messing up the game a little bit, the college game, because they, you know, they're going one and done. They're going to the lead. You know, some guys, you know, could do that, could make the jump. You know, LeBron James and the Kobe Bryant and Kevin Garnett. It's, not, it's a handful of those type of guys that's going to be able to go right. high school right in the pros and, and be an impact player. And most of them take about three to three to four years to develop in the league. So I just think a lot of these guys are getting the wrong advice. Um, and also, they, and, and it's a catch-22 situation. I did two years, and I you know, I, I, I went and played and lived out my dream and was able to take care of my, my, my mother and my family. So a lot of these inner-city kids coming from nothing, trying to make a living, you really can't stop them to, to try and, and go and see what their opportunity look like. But... At the same time, if you're just not ready and you're drafting, your numbers are not correct, then why are you leaving school? You know, mainly a lot of it has to do with education. A lot of them, you know, just don't want to do the schoolwork, just don't want to deal with school. And, you know, I understand it, but making bad decisions for themselves. Kenny, you know we're going to put you on the spot. Who, who's, <laughs> your, uh, who's your – we didn't get to see your full bracket, but who, who do you have winning the tournament this year? I, I have three – I'm gonna go with three. I'm gonna go with Kansas, Ohio State, or Pitt. I just think okay. it's Pitt. Yeah, I think I, I think Pitt is a very good team. Um, you know, they they rebound, they defend, real physical. They played in one of the best conferences in the country, the Big East. But then you got Kansas, who's uh, uh, got the Morris Twins. They go inside, outside. Morningstar is a great guard. They got Shelby. They got Tim back in the lineup, who runs that team very well. Um, then you got Ohio State with uh, Jerry Sullinger and uh, uh, Lighty and Kraft. They got a good mixture also where they can kill you from outside and go inside also. So it's good. But like I always, I've been saying on the shows that, you know, this year there's no dominant team. They all, a lot of, it's a lot of parity in college basketball. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel there's going to be some upsets like, like in the sec, like third round. I don't think the top teams are going to lose right now, but it's some of those. Uh, seven and eight games and right. uh, six, seven seeds. You're gonna see a lot of upset. Kenny, when you were playing, fans, you know, w- would have, you know, years to get to know some of these college yeah. players before yeah. they moved on to the league. Yeah. Now, I was watching some of these conference tournaments this past week, 
and discovering players I never, you know, that I either had heard about, you know, in passing or really knew nothing about. Do you find yourself now trying to straddle that line between keeping an eye on the NBA game and also staying abreast on what's happening with the college game? And, and how do you balance it? Well, I, I'm big with some of that because I like some of the – see, now the top college players this year, I'll watch them next year in the NBA. So, Kenny, haven't seen as many of these guys as you have. If you had number one pick in the draft this year, who, who would you go after? Oh man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Jared. I'm gonna go with Jared Sollinger from Ohio yeah. State. Mm-hmm. He's just a big, you know. I, I'm a guard. I love the guards, but you know, <laughs> I, I was always told, and that's why I left school early. You go big before you go small. We're a dime a dozen, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're a dime a dozen. That's why I escaped, you know, Larry Johnson and Shaquille O'Neal draft. I had to leave before they left. <laughs> I went all too far in the draft. So, you know, they're going to go big. I think he will be the number one pick, you yeah. know, in the draft yeah. because he's not only big, he just could get it done. He's got a high um, IQ basketball, he could pass, could shoot, got great, got great hands. He's a whole package. He's a, he's, a, he's a great uh great player right now. Yeah. Well, Kenny, we uh we can't let you get out of here without one last thing. There was a a, a documentary on over the weekend on HBO yeah. about UNLV's yeah. you know championship teams and Jerry Tarkane and his time there. One of the little one of the little segments on there that they did bring up was that that big time Final Four matchup. Yeah. Yeah. UNLV yeah. and Georgia Tech. Yeah, man. I I Larry was on. I talked to Larry last week. He was on my radio show, College Sports Nation, mm-hmm. and uh, he really bigged us up. But that was an exciting game. Um, I remember playing against that UNLV, UNLV team. And, you know, going into it, I was a little nervous. And I told him, he started laughing. I was a little <laughs> nervous because you hear so much about that team. And they just they just was, you know, they come out, you, you watch them lay, lay the ball. It just, they were just big. They were deep. They were talented. And they, had, they, they put a little fear in, in the team that they played against. But, um, as the game went on, first five minutes, I, I just felt that we could beat them. Mm-hmm. And we hung in there the first half, but we were short. You know, we, we went five, six deep, about six deep. And they had about 12, 12 like they went about 10 deep. Right. And we and I got into foul trouble, and Coach sat me out for about four minutes, and that's when they made their little run. It went up about 10 points and put me back in the game, and we just never could recover. But it was a good game, and, um, you know, we I thought if we got past UNLV that year, I would have got my championship, you know, but um, we right. lost. And um, like I said, it was a great, it was a great time, though. Kenny, I'm just curious, who, who was the toughest team you played against in college? Wow, um, I, you know, there was some good teams. Duke had some good teams. Yeah, you know, number wise, I might have got my numbers, but they was always feisty and you know, Bob Hurley, you know, so competitive. Yeah. And uh, Coach Jay was a great coach. He he always had them ready. It was it was always going to be a, a tough game. You yeah. know, to beat Duke, you had to play harder than them. You had to win all the hustle points, things of that nature. So I had to say it had to be Duke playing them guys because the way they played, and they was talented also. But right. they, they, they made you feel them. You know, they played hard. Yeah. But that year in the ACC, it was it was a lot of teams. NC State had Carciani and Rodney Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson had Elder Camel and Dale Davis in uh, uh, um, North Carolina with Rick Fox and um, King Rice and all those guys. So the, the ACC was about, it was just a thick, it was a real tough conference. They're down right now. They, they're not too many good teams in the ACC right now. Yeah. Right. Well, Kenny, we hope to see you somewhere, man. Uh, definitely 
back in the game, whether it's college yep. or pro, man. We we look forward to it. And we appreciate you joining us, bro, as always. Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me on. All right, we're going to check out the radio show, too, Kenny. Take it easy. Yes. Check me out. Thanks. All right, now. Bye-bye. Kenny, uh, I mean, the honesty is flowing. Uh, He's the best. If you go through the weekend, and I know, Lang, you you, you DVR'd the, uh, the UNLV documentary, which was fantastic on HBO over, over the weekend, and the, and fat, the, fat, the fat five on Sunday night was. I had to do. I had to do uh, both of them. Yeah, for for a guy like me who, you know, who grew up at the same time as the Fab Five and was in high school in Michigan the same time they were in high school. Man, it's it, it it was it was tough watching it because, you know, you remember those things from uh your what they looked like to you when you were a teenager. Now to look back on them and see them in retrospect is really it's really something else. You forget exactly how intense it was mm-hmm. i was i was laughing with my dad about it this morning you know because he was he was tough on the fab five in terms of some of the celebration and antics they did but he you know he appreciated the fact how hard they played and and he definitely uh, you know knew they were uh you know a good team and and i don't know that anybody realized how much they were changing the landscape of college basketball at the time um right. you know and, and kenny's kind of ahead of them obviously in terms of when he came out so it's it's interesting how much respect all those players at that time you know if you talk about that UNLV team and that Georgia Tech team in that final four line it's like seven or eight future pros between those two teams I'm not sure we see that as much in final fours maybe in the last few years as we did back in that era because quite frankly it's just a different time you know um I wonder if I mean I think a part of that is the the last 20 years the internet and you don't have to go to one of those, you know, 25 schools that was on TV all the time to be mm-hmm. seen now. You know, you can be – you can play at a San Diego State and everyone can see you play on TV and on the <laughs> internet and everything. You know, like yeah. uh, a Jimmer for Dead. Like you can watch him play a lot. Um, you know, now it's it's a little more spread out, I think, and a, a little more evened out than it, it – there's not as many of those powerhouses like there used to be. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I know Kenny kind of – he didn't want to talk about – the stuff he said about wanting to come back and and be a part of the staff at Tech, and I understand that he's, I'm sure he heard from some people after, after being so, uh, you know, eloquent about it initially. But it would be interesting. I mean, Georgia Tech has a very distinct history of their program, and Kenny, you know, our, our guy 3D Dennis Scott, uh, you know Brian Oliver, those guys are on the Mount Rushmore of Georgia Tech hoops. You know, you gotta. So, it, you know, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with that job and kind of wh- where it leads. Because if Kenny were to get on the staff over there, man, that'd be money for us because he'd be right across the street from the studio. <laughs> here. We'd, we'd make him come over and join us on the Hang Time Podcast every chance we got. Um, but, Lane, he, his picks, he, he picked – I guess he I guess he's playing in three different pools if he's picked three different teams. <laughs> Kansas, Ohio State. But who'd you pick in your pool? I mean, did you, did you fill the bracket out? I did, and you know, I don't, I don't watch college basketball much during the year because right. I'm sure it's the same as you. I got to watch NBA as much as I can. But uh, I watched a little bit this weekend, and um, some of those things. I I picked uh, Kansas to go all the way, right? Just from what I've seen, they seem to be deep, and they have a lot of guys. Self won a title recently, so he's been there. So I, I just figured they'd be a, a relatively safe pick. I'm not trying to surprise anyone or yeah, <laughs> yeah i figured my best my best bet's just letting everyone else try to pick all the upsets <laughs> and i'm just picking i'm like kenny i'm just taking one seeds all the way down no that makes sense i uh honestly have not filled a bracket out 
Yeah, you better do it because you, you used to have till Thursday. Now you just have till tomorrow. I was gonna say, yeah, they got like ninety two early games. Um, so you gotta you gotta move a little faster. I like to sit back and kind of study the field a little bit. Um, because I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I have to study up on some teams. Uh, you know, UAB. I know there was a bu- a big ruckus about UAB and some of these other teams getting in. Um, I need a cheat sheet. I, I need I need some help cheating on the on my bracket. So our next guest, Lang. Is a guy who is a, is a walking cheat sheet for me. I mean, he's <laughs> he is the walking bible of college basketball. He's Chris Dortch of Blue Ribbon Yearbooks. Everybody knows about those, and he's also NBA TV and NBA dot coms college basketball and draft expert. And he's joining us now again on the Hang Time Podcast. Dortch, what's up, sir? Hey, buddy, how's it going? I'm good. I need some help. Uh, <laughs> I, I need a Cliff Notes version for the NCAA tournament. If you got it, I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, after that intro, man. I'll say this, this bracket intimidated me this year, man. Uh, <laughs> usually in, in the past I could look at a bracket and, and have all these scenarios in my head. And, and this one, man, there's some, there's some interesting matchups. I'm, I'm excited for the tournament to go down. Yeah, yeah. Chris, hey, it's uh, Lang Whitaker from Slam Magazine. Uh, quick question for you. I, I looked at the bracket this morning. Does anyone understand this bracket? Like there's <laughs> – there's like, like a, I told you, Lang, I was uh, I was intimidated myself. You know, it's funny. I've done a few shows today, and we've talked about some of the same things. How the heck does UAB get in? How the heck does VCU get in? How the heck does Colorado and Virginia Tech get left out? And I think there's some barometers that they use, that they apply. If the layperson thinks it's the RPI, they would be wrong. It used to be the last ten games, they would be wrong. Uh, but the thing I don't understand is when they you, – you could make a case now for Colorado being left out. They had the number 331 schedule, non-conference schedule strength. Guys, there's only about 340 <laughs> Division One schools, not counting provisional schools, so that's pretty low. They were 3-9 and nine on the road. So I can see that, all right? They can point to numbers there. But when they were asked on camera to talk about UAB and VCU, all you could get was they're a tough team. They're a great team. They're a competitive team. Well, tell me why. Give me some numbers I can crunch, and just mm-hmm. you know, just didn't get that. Yeah, Chris. This normally, you know, we used to sit back and watch the NCAA tournament, and it was a chance for folks in our shoes to you know to kind of scan the the teams and you know start taking notes on guys who were going to be NBA players. Um, exactly. How do we? I mean, I don't even know where to start. I, I know a couple <laughs> of big names, but I mean, who are the guys? That if you're an NBA fan, that you have to pay special attention to in this tournament. I, and I know Kimba Walker, I know Jared Sullinger, but I mean, who are the other guys who we need to be focusing on in terms of where the you know where this leads from from the end of the tournament to the draft? Well, I can go region by region if you want. <laughs> do it. Let's <laughs> do it. I'm writing all this down. <laughs> well, uh, if, if you don't mind a gratuitous plug, uh, my very first NBA.com column is about this kid. Uh, Kenneth Freed from Moorhead State. Uh, he's called the next Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. He doesn't proclaim to be that, but he's the all-time leading rebounder in the freshman eligibility era wow. of the NCAA. Uh, he's had five 20-board games this year. Wow. And here's here's a key. Here, here's why I think he can stick in in the NBA. He rebounds as though his mother's life depended on it, <laughs> literally. Wow. And if, if you want to find out more, go to NBA.com. And That's right. <laughs> I explain it. 
Um, continuing on in that region, though, we've got Marcus Morris of Kansas. I, I really like this kid. He's a mobile, active guy who can also shoot it from three. Remains to be seen whether he's got NBA three range, uh, but he's a mobile kind of a prototypical four guy, I think. Uh, ben Hansbro is another kid from Notre Dame that can shoot the basketball. Uh, Etwan Moore from Purdue is a tough guard, a competitor who can score. And then John Jenkins, and I don't think he's going to declare. There was an article in the uh, in the uh, Nashville paper that I might have taken him out of context, but mm-hmm. he's maybe the best jump shooter in the country. Six four, mm-hmm. gets it off quick, unbelievable to watch. Well, okay, so after that gratuitous plug, we'll <laughs> go we'll go in in order. Uh, you know, in the in the East, I like Harrison Barnes of North Carolina. He's just a freshman. Mm-hmm. He was a first-team All-American, which I never do in, in Blue Ribbon. I don't anoint freshmen uh, with that kind of honor until they prove and they can do it. It's just hard to pick who can do it. Who, call, who saw Kevin Durant? Right, I mean, right. we knew he was good, but did we know he was that good? So, Lang did. Lang knew he was that good. Right. Lang, Lang knew. I knew he was that he good. He actually did. <laughs> he, he let me know about it uh, well, on that, every that's, occasion. That's astute so. because, you know, he's, he, was, he turned out to be a great player and, but Harrison Barnes is coming into his own. He had 40 the other day in the NCAA tournament. He's a prototypical three guy. Nice. Um, John Diebler is a, a shooter deluxe from Ohio State. Uh, can he stick in the NBA? Can he guard? That's the question. But I'll tell you what, he can shoot it. He had 18 threes in a two-game span to end the regular season, so that was pretty incredible. Yeah. Brandon Knight, the, guard, the point guard from Kentucky, he's more of a combo, really. He's a great shooter. Two Holloway, a point guard from Xavier, uh, really quick. And then Isaiah Thomas, not that Isaiah Thomas. No, I Washington. saw him this weekend. Big shot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big shot and, and a guy that can can really uh, do a lot of things, uh, not the prototypical size you look for, though. Mm-hmm. In the West region, of course, Kemba Walker, we've all heard what he's done this year. Started out hot. Uh, was was the first player in 15 years in D1 to average 30 plus through the month of December. Wow! They figured out how to stop him a little bit in in Big East play, but he he reignited in time for them to win five games in five days and win the Big East tournament. I like Nolan Smith at Duke. Uh, some people still think he's a Player of the Year candidate. Mm-hmm. He's a combo guard that had to swing over from from the two position to the one when Kyrie Irving went down. Uh, Kawhi Leonard from San Diego State, I love this kid. He's just one of those kind of live wire uh, jumpers that can do a lot of things. He's a little undersized for the next level. Mm-hmm. Derek Williams of Arizona. I like uh, him. Yeah, I've seen I him. I love this kid. He's a two-way threat at 6'8", and he's not selfish. He's a team player. And then here's a kid that's kind of uh, – you might not – this is funny. He plays for Oakland, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think that's in California, but this is the <laughs> Oakland and Michigan. Right. Uh, it's Keith Benson. He's a 6'10". Uh, he's a four-man or, or even a five-man in college, but he can be a three in the pros. I've seen him shoot jumpers. Uh, he knocked down a couple of, of of threes in a game I saw against Tennessee. They beat Tennessee in Knoxville, and this kid was – his fingerprints were all over that. Mm-hmm. Rebounder deluxe, too. I really love the kid. And then over in the last regional, we've got Jimmer Fredette of Utah. Everybody's heard of him. Oh, yeah. The thing I like about him, guys, you know, you think he's the non-jumping, non-quick white guy, but uh, he, he got moves, and he gets separation, which I really like, a lot of feints and jukes. 
uh, you know, and, and crossover dribbles, and he can shoot it. And he's not selfish either. The game uh, the other day where he had 52, he also had six assists, so he's right. not selfish. I like Brad Wanamaker, the guard from Pitt, uh, 6'4", do it all. We've said this on your show before. More versatile than a pair of khakis. <laughs> I had to throw That's that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Chandler Parsons uh, from Florida. I like this kid. He he has that khaki tag, too, mm-hmm. because at 6'10", he can facilitate offense. He's a jump shooter. And he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the in the college game. He's awful thin. It remains to be seen whether he can carry that part of his game to the pros. But he's got that kind of bird-like versatility. Not comparing him to Larry Bird, but right. he's bird-like in that he can affect the game from the forward position. Sure. Chris, a lot of times people tell you, oh, it's a weak crop. You know, this is not a great class, you know, for, in terms of the draft and this and the other. But there are a lot – it seems like there's a lot – of unique and versatile talent, maybe not the superstar power that a Kevin Durant or a Blake Griffin or even a Greg Oden when he was coming out, those types of guys, but certainly a deeper crop, maybe in a better crop in, that could potentially be in this draft class than, than a lot of people are giving it credit for. You know, I, I'm, I'm always going to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know me. That's just my background. Uh, <laughs> but I learned a lot last year working with you guys and, uh, you know, Kevin McHale, Stephen Smith, guys like that, uh, who made me realize that, you know, the, the LeBrons of the world, the Kobe's of the world, they're few and far between. Right. right. But conversely, I, I, I kind of got my shots in, and it's like not everybody can be the general. You got to have some privates, yeah. uh, some guys that, that can maybe do one skill. You know, the scouts will tell you, and I see them every game I go to. Uh, if you've got one high-level skill, you've got a chance to stick. Yeah. Right. So uh, you're right, CQ. I, I think that there are some guys uh, in college right now who have next-level ability. It's just a matter of the right fit for the right team and the right system. And, you know, a guy like Chandler Parsons, what's his next-level talent? Well, at 6'10", he can impact the game as a facilitator. Yep. You know, yeah. he's a pick-and-pop guy, extraordinaire, because he's got deep range. So, you know, uh, scouts have to do their their, their work and, and identify that skill, and then the the people that make the picks have to decide whether they fit. And I think, like you said, there are a lot of guys like that. Chris, speaking of making picks, uh, it's time <laughs> to fill out our ballots. <laughs> I mean, our brackets. Uh, there we go. Have, who do you have going uh, number one or winning the, the tournament? I've got Kansas, guys. I, I've liked them all year. There, there's three teams that I really liked all year, and I've got three of them in my final four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State is one. They're not deep, but they've got some guys. Talk about next-level talent, Jared Sullinger, the freshman. I don't think he's going to go. Uh, really? I think he wants to hang around. That's what I hmm. hear, yeah. He comes from a from a college basketball family and a high school basketball legend of a coach, uh, his father, right. in, in Columbus there. and He may hang around, but I, I like Kansas. I've liked Pitt all year long, too. They've got a lot of depth. They're probably the best offensive rebounding team in the country. A real uh, blue-collar team, perfectly suited for the city in which they play. Right. But I like Kansas. A uh, couple of unique talents. The, the Morris twins, uh, uh, Marcus was the guy that, that drew most of the publicity, but Markeith, his identical twin brother, down to the last tad, hmm. uh, 
is 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 a guy that can do some of the same things. In some games, he had better numbers than his brother. He's an inside-outside guy, too. They've got a ton of depth at the point, too. They've got four guys that can play the point and that they can win with. But Tyshawn Taylor, who was suspended for a couple of games, came back, and he really played well in the Big 12 tournament. So they've got what you look for. They've got a lot of depth. They've got, I can't say this term on a family show, but we use it a lot on the golf course after you have a bad hole and then (laughs) you you pound your drive on the next hole. Well, they've got that right. because of getting beat by Northern Iowa last year, and they were right. obviously a team that everybody thought had the chops to go all the way. And and uh, but this year, I think they're better because they lost some next level talent. But sometimes when you do that, uh, your your chemistry uh, survives intact because if you've got some some talented kids, and I'm talking about Sharon Collins, who did not go to the next level. Sometimes you're guilty of watching a kid try to make a play rather than play as a unit. And I think this year they're playing more together as a team. Yeah. Chris, in the past couple of years, past few years, John Calipari has had, uh, you know, one of these mercurial talents. You know, it was Derrick Rose, and then it was Tyreek Tyree. Evans. Now he's got, <clears throat> excuse me, Brandon Knight, who's – Came in, I think, with that same sort of tag. You know, people assuming he would be this one-and-done superstar. But the times I've watched Kentucky, they looked a, they looked a little more than balanced than I thought. They weren't just some one-man team. I mean, they had a number of talented players. And the big kid, um, Terrence, Jones. Terrence Jones, seemed like more, like if I'm looking at skills, his skills would seem more suited to a quick translation to the NBA, even more so maybe than, than Brandon Knight. Uh, you know, I think you're absolutely right on that, I, and, and I don't know whether any of these kids uh, go. Right. And if they don't, man, they're going to be loaded because next year he signed four or five-star players. Uh, but I agree with you on Brandon Knight. He was a guy that came in as a high scorer. He was second-leading scorer all time in, in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And people thought that, you know, he was maybe a little bit of a gunner, uh, maybe force some shots, but that's not actually true. He, he can also play the lead guard spot, and uh, Cal had to work with him a little bit. You know, when you're a combo guard or quote-unquote scoring point, uh, it takes you a little while to figure out that when you're in trouble, you don't call your own number. You 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 look to facilitate for others, and Cal had to beat that into the kid. He was still doing it yesterday at the SEC championships. He's hard on the kid. He's he's he pokes and prods and yells and screams, but he get what he gets what he wants. And this kid has become a real two way threat as a facilitator and a score. Having said that, I don't think he's going to declare. Terrence Jones, on the other hand, the scouts have gone gaga over. The times I've seen him, he's been a little inconsistent from from the perimeter, but he's a competitor. Uh, I think he's a natural three man in the, at the next level because he can board from that spot and he can shoot the three. But he's got a long way to go. Like I said, guys like Kevin McHale have have pounded this into my brain. <laughs> you know, it, 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 rare is the guy who can come in and affect that league uh, from a pure stal- a talent standpoint right away. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Well, listen, Chris, we you're going to be a regular now on the podcast, so you better yeah, be buddy. ready to answer the phone when Looking we call you. Looking forward to it, man. All right, man. NBA.com and NBA TV's draft expert himself, Chris Dortch. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Hey, we'll talk you to you soon, bud. Enjoyed it. All right, man. Lang, I, I know I was faking the funk like I was some kind of college hoops expert. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, but I have watched 
you know, enough of these games. You know, you, you I'm sure you do the same thing. We watch more NBA than, than college this time of year, obviously. Yeah. But when I'm watching the college games, that's the one thing I'm always looking at. Like, okay, well, let me check this dude out who's supposed to be a big-time player to see what his skills might translate to, you know, in the league. And it's weird. The In addition to that, Terrence Jones from Kentucky, another guy I looked at, and I had to really study and read up on, is this Jimmer Fredette from BYU. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, you as a college player, you always suffer from somebody of the same profile or similar type profile that comes before you. I don't know who they're going to knock Jimmer Fredette for being like or who they'll compare him to to maybe knock knock his draft status down. But I, I got to admit, I like the guy. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love his the way he plays in the in the. He has a little swag. Yeah, he's got a little yeah. he's got a little well, gunslinger to him. You know what I'm saying? I like that. You know what else I liked about him that I noticed, and I, I like you. I kind of watch just almost for the sake of scouting for yeah, next year and stuff. Exactly. The one thing I I noticed him do a lot of was he he splits double teams really well, um, or when they pick, you know, when they when they come up to pick and roll, he'll split the pick and just go right through the two defenders, and. Uh, that's something like I think that's going to serve him really well next next year in the NBA because he's you know going to see a lot of yeah. uh, man to man. Yeah. The the other thing that's really curious to me is that so many of these college players who are playing like a combo guard type position, right? And then they get to the league, and they have to become a point guard exclusively or whatever you know or something exclusively. Right. And I and I remember back I went and watched Eric Maynard a couple of years ago when he was in college play down the street here at Georgia State. Uh, he and Larry Sanders actually both the, the Bucks rookie were both on that um, VCU team that I went to yeah. watch, and I was watching Maynard. I kept, I found myself and they were NBA general managers in the building. I was looking at them from across the floor to kind of gauge their reaction, and you know, it, it almost takes some of the fun out of it for me watching college hoops now because I don't watch it just as a pure fan or just for the sheer enjoyment of it. I'm watching it like you said, kind of pseudo scouting, trying to see you know how a guy might translate in. I watched Maynard that night, and the only thing I – you know, people ask me, oh, you saw Maynard, what did he look like to you? And I just, I'm giving him this, like, quasi-technical breakdown of whether or not he's going to be able to be a point guard in the league. <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't really tell you that I just watched his game and appreciated it for what he was doing at the college level. It's interesting. It's, that That is a very difficult transition if you look at numbers of players in the draft that don't have right. an immediate impact on their teams in the league. Like it's, it, it, and it hasn't changed, really. I mean, it's not like the percentage has risen or – or fallen dramatically over the past 20 years. You know, you have a small number of guys who come in, have a big impact, and you have other guys who would take some time. I, we did have a thing today we posted on, I mentioned it to Kenny on Slam Online, where yeah. we, all of us did our 10 favorite college players of all time. And, like, some of the guys on my list even didn't really have much of an impact in the NBA from, like, Dwight Stewart from Arkansas, Randolph <laughs> Childress at Wake Forest, James Forrest at Georgia Tech. I mean, these were guys – who in in the, as far as the NBA goes, you you never hear them even spoken of in that context. But in college, they were some of the most exciting, fun players to watch ever, uh, at least for me. And and I think that's sort of the beauty of the next couple of months here, weeks here, is that we're going to see guys who we might not see them in the NBA, or, or <laughs> they might not be all stars or whatever. But they're still fun to watch, and they're going to be. Uh, uh, entertaining to watch for us for the next couple of weeks yeah lang and i ask you this and i know lane where lane krause's allegiances lie but you grew up in a in an interesting spot where you you kind of have the sec basketball which their tradition is something totally different than the acc's 
But right. you, in, if you grew up here in Atlanta, you had a chance to really watch them both. Micah grew up in a similar situation, an SEC guy, you know, per se, but but really being exposed to other, you know, conferences. He, you know, he's a Texas guy too. I, I grew up in the Big Ten, so my first reference point for all of this stuff is Big Ten basketball. What what is the What's the kind of the 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 Mason Dixon for you in terms of SEC and <laughs> ACC basketball and how you separate them? I mean, I remember one of my first memories was Georgia going to the Final Four in Albuquerque. You know, that's the year NC State won the title, um, and it was the year after Dominique left. But Georgia had like Vern Fleming and James Banks and yeah. these guys. Um, but then, like after that, I mean, I was really I was always more of a SEC football fan than an ACC basketball fan. Yeah. Um, and the ACC, and now it's a, it's a little closer than it used to be, but the ACC was so dominant at basketball back then, and the SEC was just dominant at football. So, uh, you know, living, growing up, you know, just a couple miles away from Georgia Tech, I got to see, um, pretty, you know, you mentioned earlier, Tech has all those guys on the Mount Rushmore, but yeah, I mean, they had All-Americans, you know, in the Rookie of the Year every single year, um, and, and they just had some amazing teams to watch so i got to see everyone from mark price bruce stalbrimple john sally um yeah. that whole crew then to kenny anderson our man 3d um brian oliver martise uh, moore martise moore um, <laughs> even in i mean even uh in between there's guys like we're not mentioned like tom hammonds yeah and guys who are like a, yeah, he's a big time player yeah yeah dominant college players um so tech always had a lot of them i i also remember though as a kid one of the first games i ever saw on tv or players i ever saw on tv was lynn bias right um and and just getting to see him uh you know that was before like there was a huge national buzz around him but uh seeing him play some games in the acc was as a kid who likes basketball it was almost like revelatory because you've never seen a guy who has so many talents and was just so amazing at everything uh you know and i, I just remember seeing him play against georgia tech and, and just having my mind blown basically <laughs> Mike, I know you grew up, you know, watching SEC basketball. Grew up in the same town, went to the same high school as some some big time guys. But also, uh, Chris Jackson, as he was known then, you know, from Mississippi. I mean, talk about some of the the memories you have of some of the big time players you saw. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I definitely grew up uh, in SEC basketball. I was an SEC everything. I, I totally understand <laughs> the SEC uh, mind point. Even though I've sort of outgrown that as I yeah. became a Texas fan in college and stuff, but. You know, for me, it was always growing up as a lack of respect. It always just seemed like, oh, they always talk about Duke. They always talk about UNC. Mississippi right. State never gets any pub. Uh, Lang, I thought it was funny you talking about the top ten guys you saw in college. Right. The guy that's probably at the top of my list, honestly, was Dante Jones. He played <laughs> one season at Mississippi yeah. State when they went to the Final Four in 1996. I mean, that whole story, you talk about sports documentaries. Uh, no. I would love to see somebody do a documentary about the, the 36 hours that that dude did in summer school. To get eligible that year, yeah, to, to play get, that year, right? Yeah, yeah, you're probably there. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, those were those. Were, I used to go to the SEC basketball tournament with my with my dad growing up, and I was there to see Shaq, Chris Jackson, right. and those guys. And I mean, it was great. It, it definitely doesn't seem like the SEC is really. I mean, it really seems like football is taken over at this point. But in right. the '90s, it really. I mean, again, I know I was biased at the time, but there were some great SEC teams. You talked about Dwight Stewart. I mean that. Those Arkansas squads and those Kentucky squads. Forty minutes squads of hell, like yeah. yeah. A yeah. starting five and a second five that could be in the top ten as well. Yeah, Auburn. Auburn was always really strong back then too. Yeah, in, in basketball. I, you know, and I, I grew up in in a basketball state per se. You know, um, when I was a kid, like I, 
I have very distinct memories of going to to tournaments and of watching guys when they're in high school, and and it stuck with me. Like Antoine Jobert, he was this big time, you know, player from yep. Detroit when I was a kid. He never made it big in the NBA, but he was, you know, in the Midwest, in Chicago, Detroit, those places, you could be a phenom at the high school level in ways that I'm not sure you could be a phenom in other places just because the high school basketball was so, you know, so unbelievably big. My like my dad and his and my uncles, they used to go watch Magic play when Magic was in high school. Like, because we were like 40 minutes away. They right. would go around watching Magic, like, and, and talking about him long before he, he got huge and got on the big stage. But I remember watching Glenn Rice play in high school, you know, like when he was in high school. And I was a little kid and watched him play. And you talk about a freak show. You know, because right. he was 6'9", six, six, and he could shoot like he shot when he was in the pros. And obviously when he was at Michigan, they won the championship. I mean, so I have those distinct memories. And then, you know, like I said, I grew up with Weber and Jalen Rose and those guys like a year behind me in high school. Um, you know, so it's just a – it's always a dramatic, you know, difference in terms of where you're from and how you view the game and what it looks like to you coming up. And I think college – you know, the, the NCAA tournament, college is that time – when everybody has, you know, a chance to get a real impression made on them uh, in terms of the game and how they view it. Our our uh, our next guest, Lang, is a guy who is, has lived through some of the stuff we're talking about. You know, you go from high school star to college star to, to NBA star. Uh, and, this, and this guy did it in, in a way that I think really, you know, brings home the the point of this March Madness episode of the Hangtime Podcast. Evan Turner, Philadelphia 76ers rookie, is joining us now on the show. Uh, and Evan, you got you have a lot of those memories, you know, college memories, you know, your first year in the league now all blended together. What does March Madness look like to you now sitting in, in, in the position you are now compared to where you were this time a year ago? Uh, it's, it's a little different, you know, more uh... – I was just more excited for you know, for the games, you know. Um, a year ago, I was just you know more anxious, you know, just really you know trying to win every single game and, and not lose. Now, kind of like uh, you know, I still get a little nervous for my team, but you know, I can just breathe easy a little bit more. Did you, Evan? This is Lang from Slam Magazine. Did you watch the uh, Did you watch the selection show last night? Uh, no, actually, I didn't. I just watched uh, my Buckeyes win or whatnot, and then you know, I just, I just you know, I took a, took a nap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Evan, do you do you feel like uh, you know? I know Ohio State has has been tabbed as the number one team, in you know, overall the number one number one seed. Does it seem strange to you? Last year, you know, they you guys are there and you and you're a great team, but you lose the Player of the Year. You know, a guy who's you know supposed to be irreplaceable, and here they are again. What does that say about the program there, and and really the work that's been done to get to this point? Uh, I think it says a lot. I think, uh, you know, everybody's shocked, but at the same time, uh, one thing is, this is like just the credibility. I think, you know, Coach Mata always done a great job of recruiting. You know, we had four uh, four returning stars along with, you know, the, the high school player year that came in, which was a great post, man. And, you know, we had a lot of freshmen that stepped up, and, and that just, you know, really worked well. I think Coach Mata did a great job of getting everybody prepared. And our players did a great job of, you know, getting, getting a young, the young guys prepared and, you know, just coming ready to play every single night. How different is playing in the tournament than playing regular season? I mean, is that, you know, it's a one and done hanging over your head there yeah. every single night? Yeah, no, nah, it's just, um, you know, you know in basketball, in, uh, right. in, a, in a season, during a regular season, 
It's all about, you know, strategy and preparation and, and stuff like that. Once you get into the tournament, it's still about strategy, but all, all it is about who can make the best plays and, and who can, you know, really outlast each other. You know, everybody, you know, is just playing, you know, playing a butt off because, you know, it's a single-game elimination. So a lot of people are, you know, doing a lot of new things and just, you know, making plays and, and, and making winning plays. Evan, what what has been the the thing that's really st- struck you about the the difference from the college season to now the NBA season? Here, you guys, the Seventy Sixers are rolling. Uh, you know, since really before the All Star break, you guys have mounted a a really nice run here and trying to get yourselves into the playoffs. What what's been the big the big difference for you in terms of how the game is played at the collegiate level to how it's played at the NBA level? Uh, I think, you know, NBA is somewhere a lot more physical, a lot more quicker. You know, players are so athletic. They're uh, unbelievably long. And, um, you know, you got a lot of thinking minds here. So a lot of players can read plays right before they have to. You have to think super quick. And, you know, you have specialists at this level. You know, if somebody can shoot a three, shoot threes are really good at shooting threes. If somebody could, you know, attack the rim, they're really great at attacking the rim. So it's like everything pretty much amped up ten times compared to college. Have, have, Evan, have you tried to – sort of find your focus or what's what's the one thing you've focused on this season i mean just coming in and just contributing you know playing defense uh rebounding you know scoring when i can and, and uh you know finding open man just trying you know just be a utility player for the team and, and just you know help out evan did you feel any pressure you know going in at such a high pick you know number two pick in the draft and there's always a lot of uh you know outside pressure attached to that did you feel any pressure going into that situation in Philadelphia, knowing that you know maybe some people are expecting you to come in and, and take over the team or be the starter team with so many uh, returning guys around there? See, I didn't feel any pressure, but you know, once I started, you know, getting into the whole team atmosphere and, and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, Coach Challen really preaches, you know, a team thing. It wasn't like one man going out, mm-hmm. you know, you know, getting plays called from every single day or anything like that. So I seems to start wearing on. It's just like it's a team game. That's how you're supposed to play the game. So. I am still any pressure to fight how people would take it if you know supposedly I didn't start or if um or if I didn't get as many shots up as you know they probably thought I should have. Mm-hmm. Evan, you guys are seven and three in your last ten. Um, played really well the last couple of weeks. What's been the difference for the Sixers? I think we've just been coming out focused and ready, ready to compete. You know, we've been playing strong on the defensive end. We've been trying to keep our turnovers down. Uh, you know, we try to rebound the ball and, and you know just push in and get out and run. Evan, you you feel like uh, I mean we're probably crazy for asking you, but who's who'd you pick in your bracket, man? We we have an idea, but we're gonna ask anyway. <laughs> nah, no joke. I I, I had the, I had a Buckeyes, you know, and uh, I had a Buckeyes <laughs> winning. You know, I definitely <laughs> you know I definitely have respect for you know the uh, the Deuce, the Kansas, and the, te- the Texas, and uh, you know that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Uh, and Michigan State, you know, Michigan State can always pull it together last minute like they did last year. Right. You know, make it to a Final Four run, so. That's what I really have. Right. I can't believe you sound like such a Big Ten fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I am. I am. <laughs> I'm still, I still got a bone to pick with you too, by the way. Last year, I thought my Wolverines had that Big Ten tournament oh, game right. one, yeah. and you just you, you cut my heart out. I, I don't think I got up off the floor for like 20 minutes because I, I could really? not believe man, you made that shot, man. Man, that's, that's what we do to the Wolverines. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not going to hold it against you. We're going to show you much love here at the Hang Time Podcast. Evan Turner of the Philadelphia 76ers join us, man. We appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, thank you. Thank All you, right, man. now, good luck the rest of the way. All right, you guys be cool. Evan Turner, I, I, you know, I, I saved that for last, Micah, because 
were you, were you was I in here that day last year when he hit that shot? You're still salty about it. Oh, I was sick. You might have been. I, I might have been in the office that day, Lane, because I was going around, you know, t- selling wolf tickets. I was like, hey, we're going to beat Ohio State. We're going to pop Ohio State in the tournament. And I swear to you, I, like, turned my head and looked back, and somebody's like, Evan Turner just hit a shot to win the game. <laughs> my, uh, my brother-in-law went to Michigan, and he had taped that game. He was going to watch when he got home from work t- that day. And we had this whole ar- argument around the office, whether or not you should tell somebody who taped a game, <laughs> if you could save them from – heartbreak whether you should spoil it for him or not i mean you could have just drove a stake in my heart that that day it was just i mean it was brutal because the only way we michigan was going to get in last year was we had to you know win the big 10 tournament which you know you get that close and then have the big 10 player of the year who happens to be from ohio state of all places like ah you got to be joking but <laughs> lang it was interesting he talked about not feeling that pressure to come in and right. You know, be a you know be a singular star, be this kind of star rookie, and I think that that probably speaks a lot to what Doug Collins has done with that team, um, because there are a lot of places you go in and the the franchise is kind of thrown on your shoulders, right? And you know he didn't have that happen to him. I'll be very curious to see his progression from this year when he's he's had to you know maybe learn a little bit more, not play as much as some rookies have, and and how that translates to his second season and if he's much improved from having spent some time studying and and getting an understanding of the league before he's thrown in there as a as a star player. You know, we had Kate Fagan on uh, the beat a couple of weeks ago, and she mm-hmm. talked about how when he was at Ohio State, he got better as he went along. Right. And, you know, you can sort of see the same thing happening now, and it's just taken him a couple of months, but he's been terrific the last couple of weeks now. Yeah, I've. I, I re- I love the the dynamic of these guys and the and the memories they have about college and it ha- you know you get hardened up. I mean, this is a guy who last year was at the center of the room when Ohio State's watching the selection show, right? And then he says last night he was taking a nap. Well, you know? he knew that's because he knew. They were- yeah, I mean, you know, but still, I mean, you know, your your priorities shift so dramatically, you know, from the time you're right. you're a college star and into when you're in the league, and it's just. I want I'm, that has to be very unique, you know. To go I have a through. feeling if they were like a, a bubble team, he might have been watching. <laughs> he might have delayed that now. He wouldn't have been out watching, walking the dogs when the selection show was on. If they were in the bubble, I guess you're right. Yeah. But uh, but no, it's good. Good for him. Good for Evan Turner. Good for the Seventy Sixers. Um, because I, I'll be honest with you, early in the year, Brent Barry and I got in a discussion about it, and Brent was saying that he really liked what they were doing, and this is when they weren't playing particularly well. He was talking about he liked the. The right. direction Doug Collins had him going, I was like, "What direction?" I was like, "I don't see anything. I don't see a, I don't see anything about that team that tells me they're doing this, that, or the other. They just seem kind of bland." But he was right. They are they are a team that, if you look at the standings now, they have a chance to make some noise, not only by making the playoffs, but they could be trouble for somebody in the, in yep. the first round. Not necessarily an upset, but I'm saying if I'm if I'm Chicago, you know, or I'm Miami, and I have to play that team in the first round. Philly has some pieces that could make you sweat, you know, make you work a little bit. Yeah, them and Indiana. Like right now, those are the that's the seven and eight. And yeah, I mean they both, especially now with Philly, but they both play really hard every night. And like you can't take a night off. Yeah, against those teams. Hang time podcast, baby. The, the March Madness edition. We, I mean, Micah, you got anybody? I mean, how many other people we got lined up today? This could this could go on and on. I mean, we could break a record here today for guests. Well, where you know, it's it's funny. Uh, if if our next guest uh, had called in right as Lang said that, it would have been one of the great segues in <laughs> podcast history. I just like I just like the the flow of. I thought we could edit it. No way, no, no. We, we're rolling all the way through because we don't get to we don't get to talk college hoops a ton. 
So I, I mean, I know that's not our focus around here, but it's. I mean, we all watch. We all watch, even if we're watching out of the corner of our eyes. Sometimes, you know, people talk about the NBA season being too long and all these games. Man, there's so many college games on in the course of a week. It, it's mind-boggling to me, you know, how much college basketball is on the air nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you guys this because I've heard this, you know, bandied about from time to time. What would it be like if there was? you know, an NBA version of March Madness kind of thing. If if these teams had to play, you know, in a one-game scenario, like which which NBA Whew. team right now do you think would win in a sort of bracket kind of scenario? Oh, man, that's a great question. One is it all, well, you know what matters? Is it neutral courts like college or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, how would we play? How is the, what's the setup? What would they play be in? home court advantage? Yeah, let, let's just say for, for argument's sake, home court advantage. The seeds, you know, as, as the conferences look right now, the seeds right. hold. Oof. I've heard something like that. They've talked about that, like instead of All Star Weekend, have like a mid season tournament, almost like how right. you know Premier League has those random events that throughout would be the crazy. course of the year. Oh, that would be crazy. I would love it. Uh, you know what? The Spurs would be tough to beat in a one yep. and done. <laughs> they really would. They would be a monster in a one and done. I'm having trouble finding any team that would be tough, tough to beat. In a, like, would you want to play Oklahoma City in a one and done? You know, they're not in first place, no. but they they have a Kevin Durant any night could go for forty or whatever. Know. You know, like I mean, there's so many of these teams that on any one night you yeah. don't you don't really know what you're gonna get. You know, you don't want to see the Lakers in a one and done on their nah. court. I mean, that's a that's a no no. In a one and done with Kobe, you know, I mean, that would be. That that would be a daunting task for a team, you know. Another team to me that would really be difficult in a one in a one and done scenario is the Knicks. If they're healthy, you got Carmelo, Chauncey. You know, I mean, because I think the dynamics change from so dramatically from the time you look at a regular season game. Every NBA player knows that that game at the end of March, even even if it's important for playoff positioning and that sort of thing, you know, there's more to come. You know what right. I mean? So there's not that that's internal sense of hey we got to get this done right now because if we don't we're going home then you watch them in the playoffs and how many times have we seen a team stave off elimination in the playoffs with one of those you know gutty you know right. wins that they just have to have i mean that would you would put that dynamic you're injecting that win or go home dynamic into all of those games with nba teams i think that would be very interesting very interesting. You know who I wouldn't like, I don't think, is Orlando. Because I feel like they might win any game, any given game, but if they had to win like four or five in a row, I don't know if i trust them to shoot well enough from the outside <laughs> that many times. Well, they'd have to have the three ball flowing. I mean, um, what about the Heat? I mean, they, they would probably be a monster in a one-and-done setup. You know, because you got LeBron, D-Wade, Chris Bosh, they'd all be amped up like they were against the Lakers the other night, you know, and – I mean, I don't know. Did you guys watch the entire game the other night, the Lakers and the Heat? Yeah, I, I thought did. I thought Miami played like when they played like that, and and the game could have gone either way at the end. I mean, it was about who's going to make plays and you know, kind of who got the bounces. But they kind of won it with the defensive play. They they did when they play like that, you know. And, and D Wade was so good on defense. Yeah, um, we didn't Actually, talk about it I, earlier. I, I made a note here because I, <laughs> I'm like, whatever. What was that game on Thursday on Friday? Yeah. I wrote down. I wrote down Wade Defender because, to me, it seems like, you know, what an interesting way for them to go would be not only with him being so good on offense, but if he embraced that role of being the stopper defensively for them, uh, I don't know if he has the energy to do it, but yeah. in the postseason especially, uh, I mean, he can guard anyone, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
and he has the size and the speed and the quickness to match up with a lot of different guys. And if he can, you know, if he became that stopper guy for them, um, I mean, I think that might be one of the keys for them going forward. How interesting was that watching him guard Kobe? And, you know, normally when a guy guards Kobe and gets up in Kobe's mix, you remember Bruce Bowen or Roger right. Bell or somebody, they get all up on Kobe and crowd him and try and get physical. He was playing Kobe in space. You yeah. know, I mean, how many guys in the league can do that at that, you know, and not get embarrassed? You know, yeah. I, I thought that was the thing that really struck me is, you know, because Kobe was trying to guard D-Wade on the other end, and that's, you know, with that same kind of thing where you give him a little space, and those screens were coming, and, and Kobe was getting caught up in those screens, and D-Wade was getting to the basket. At last three minutes of that game, he was in attack, you know, Wade was in attack mode, and and I thought it was a dramatic, you know, made a dramatic difference for, for the Heat that, that he was kind of winning that one-on-one battle as, yeah. you know, Kobe didn't shoot it well. As we all know, he went out and shot some more after that game. Um, great video. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Lang, I'm sure you have, but yeah, that video of him shooting it at uh, the arena in Miami after after that game, and he's taking a lot of heat from some people, no pun intended, about how genuine that was. You know, I know the, I think it was Dan Levitard kind of wrote something saying he just didn't believe, you know, that that was that wasn't a stunt. He thought, you know, this is kind of some ploy by Kobe, and they said, I don't, you know, I love the competitiveness that uh, that those big time matchups bring out of these players and those good teams. And that's what we get nonstop in the, in the NBA playoffs. Again, my, my favorite form of March madness that bleeds into April, May and June. Lang, our, our final guest on the show today is a guy that, you know, embodies all that we've talked about when we get, when we get into March madness, Indiana Pacers power forward, Tyler Hansbro is joining us. Tyler, uh, before we dive into to the big night you had the other night for the Pacers, man, we want to get your thoughts on the tournament. And, you know, you've got a couple of rooting interests, obviously, with your, your Tar Heels and then your brother uh, playing at Notre Dame, man. So is this, it's a pretty, pretty special time, I would imagine, for the entire family. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'm really excited for my brother. Um, he's playing well. Hopefully they can keep it rolling. Um, Tar Heels are, are looking good right now, but you know, I'm at the pool for Notre Dame the whole way. <laughs> that was my next question. Was going to be how, how, how are you going to reconcile the two in your in your bracket? Um, I hadn't really filled one out yet, to be honest with you. But I know I'm going to have Notre Dame going far, and yeah, I'm going to pull for my brother over my all matter. <laughs> okay. All right, Tyler. Now listen, break break him down for us. Give us uh, give us Ben Hansrow's NBA prospects and where he where he fits in in the uh, future in terms of the, the NBA. I think he'll be uh, a point guard. Um, I think his passing ability is really good. His only downside is a little undersized, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, if he's going to be undersized, might as well be a point guard. <laughs> um, there was a lot of those, but yeah, I think he's got a. I think he's got a shot. Uh, I think he's got to improve some things, but who doesn't? So we'll see what happens. Let's talk a little bit about the Pacers. You know, you guys had a coaching change, but you, you've been playing really well lately. What's what's going on there? How, how are you guys sort of coming together right now? Uh, yeah, I think uh, you know we're still trying to. You know, it's not. It's not like we're. We we are switching up a whole new thing. So everybody's trying to get a feel for the offense and you know right. the changes up. I mean, we've been under o- O'Brien for so long, so he kind of has a program. Now we're kind of getting away and kind of tailoring the offense to our strengths instead of just a, a program and a system. So I mean, you know, we're definitely going inside to Roy and things like that. So we're working out, but um, yeah, it's gonna take some time. But you know, the coaching change has been. Really good for me. I'm seeing more minutes and getting more com- more and more comfortable. 
Tyler, the, the 29 points in, in the eight rebounds in the win over the Knicks, what did, what did you have working that, that allowed you to get loose like that and, and keep that thing rolling? Yeah, I think I got some transition baskets early on. I missed some easy ones, to be honest with you. I came out and I thought I wasn't going to have a good game because I was missing some shots you usually make. But um, I came around, my jump start, jump shots started falling a little bit. Things just started kind of going my way. You said last night that you, you kind of have a little chip on your shoulder. Uh, how do you – is that something that kind of drives you every single day? Or is that, you know, the kind of thing that you think once you get the confidence and stuff, you'll you'll be a little more uh, able to, to come out every single night like that? No, I always think about that. I mean, you know, um, especially coming, uh, you know, when, when I got drafted, uh, you know, people – you know, doubted me being able to play in the league and things like that. So it's something I carry with me everywhere. And also, you know, playing under the coach and being a guy that, you know, wasn't really looked upon to get many minutes. And, you know, the coach didn't have much confidence. And just to be quite honest with you, and then, you know, I came in here trying to work out, get a little better every day. And so whenever I play, I want to make the most of it. Do you, feel like, do you feel like you guys kind of have that as a team, that chip on your shoulder of the kind of guys who've been overlooked a little bit? Uh, yeah, you could say that. Um but recently we have been playing like we have had a chip on our shoulder, so <laughs> hopefully we get back to that. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, there's quite a few guys. I wouldn't say quite a few guys, but, yeah, we all come out there. You know, we want to make a big Im- impact in the playoffs, to be honest with you, and we haven't really done that in a while. Yeah, right. Tyler, what – I mean, when you come in the league and, and you're not playing as much as you maybe would like and, and you know, you're playing under O'Brien and you're not getting those minutes, how do you go about – rectify that do you go to a coach and ask him like hey you know what do i have to do to see the floor i mean it's the nba i know the rules change a little bit in terms of how you 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 know you protest not not getting the minutes you think you deserve do you go to him or do you just go to work you know and and do it on your own you know guys handle it different ways i mean some guys can fold and just kind of pack it in but you know me i went in there and uh, i was working out every day i knew i wasn't gonna play you know to be honest with you unless someone got hurt or someone fouled out or it was a complete blowout so i was coming in the gym an hour hour and a half before the guys came on the on the court to shoot and work out with the coach and work on different shots and work on my post moves and then uh you know i lift before games and things like that so i can you know when i got my shot i can go in there and make the most of it let's talk a little march madness just because we're in the middle of march madness <laughs> as a player and as someone who's been through that is there any thing that matches up to that that you've experienced in your in your career, even professional or college? Is there anything that matches that playing in the Final Four and all that? Not right now. I mean, I'm pretty early in my right. NBA career. Maybe if I played in the finals or in the playoffs or something, but you're talking to a guy that's only played in the regular season. So, <laughs> I mean, when you win a national championship, yeah, it's a highlight. Nothing as compared to that so far. I mean, you know, I hate to give you the typical answer. Words can't describe the feeling <laughs> it is, but, you know, it's true. I mean, you go out there and Especially the year we won it, you know, in right in uh, you know Detroit with all the Michigan State fans and the sea of uh, green, it was special just because you know you see this big sea of green and then you see this little splotch of Carolina blue, <laughs> and then uh, they're expecting to win a title. And I guess they thought they were going to you know save the economy and you know the car industry was going to boom after they won it. But <laughs> we came in there and won it and. Uh, you know, it was exciting. All that work for four years to go out like that, I mean, that's that's something else. Yeah. Tyler, your Tar Heels this year have had their – or had had their shares of ups and downs early on, but kind of got it rolling 
you know, later in the season? How did, I mean, watching it from afar, how did, how did you communicate with those guys? And did you talk to anybody about what they were going through, knowing that, you know, obviously you got your own uh, business to tend to here in the NBA? I only talked to a few guys uh, off the team, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they've had an up-and-down year. Um, you know, it's typical sometimes. We've had our up-and-downs when I was at Carolina. But, um, you know, I think they keep getting better and better. You know, obviously they had a letdown against Duke the other day, which, yeah. which kills me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would say, you know, I think uh, they've got an opportunity to, you know, um, Make a big impact. Obviously, they've kind got, a, I think, a second seed, which is good. And hopefully, you make the best of it. I mean, it's better than what they were last year. So we'll see what happens. Is there a is there a certain thing that you like a key to success in the tournament that's different than playing in the regular season? You know, it's, it's kind of strange because I remember when I played in the tournament, I always felt worn down. I always had bruises because we just finished the season and we played right. the ACC tournament. I don't think you're playing the the best i think you're just trying to to maintain and that's right. a, that's the problem i mean how do you you don't really go and have hard practices so how do you get better as a team i mean it's just all about managing and stay on top of your game hmm. tyler I, I i'm hoping you didn't have to uh carry mike dunleavy's bags or dress up in a duke t-shirt or anything after that acc championship game but what kind of rivalry is there in NBA locker rooms once the tournament comes around. I've, I've been around and I've heard guys talk about it before, but you guys have a lot of former college stars on your team, obviously. What kind of smack talk goes on once the uh, brackets go out? Well, I mean, there's a lot of pride. I mean, uh, believe it or not, there, we've got a lot of guys like, uh, you know, Granger will talk some stuff about New Mexico, <laughs> you know. You know, who, who cares? I mean, we never, even, I never heard of New Mexico until, you know, <laughs> Granger started talking and then, uh, uh, I think uh, Paul George, um, <laughs> he's from a small school. So, I mean, those guys talk a lot. But, you know, us, I mean, I'm a little nervous because sometimes if we lose, we have to hear about it. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, we're usually beating people. Right, right. <laughs> have you had a chance to uh, get to, like, a little three-point contest against Larry Bird at any point? No, I haven't. Uh, I think I'll sit that one out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've seen him shoot uh, while he's in a suit and stuff. He ain't missing. I'll tell you that. So, Tyler, you guys feeling good right now about, you know, I mean, we're talking playoffs now with the Pacers and, and you know, even with the struggles of the past couple of weeks, you guys are still in a position to kind of flip this thing around and get into the postseason. Does that change the entire mood around that team and around, you know, how you guys do things, knowing that there's this there's this other carrot out there for this team to, to reach and that, and that, you know, it's up to you basically to get it done? No, I think it, you know. I think it gets the community more involved because uh, you, know, you start seeing fans come out, which is a really good thing, and you know everybody starts supporting us. But you know, as far as we uh, our mentality mentality about uh, our approach and things like that, I think you just got to keep on improving um, and getting better in practice, and keep having these hard practices, and you know see what happens. I mean, you got to take care of your part and win ball games, and you know then you can worry about what other teams do. No doubt about it. Tyler Hansbro, the Indiana Pacers, former North Carolina, great joining us. Hey, man, good luck. Good luck to Ben. And uh, maybe, who knows, maybe the Tar Heels and Notre Dame will meet somewhere in the road, down the road, and you'll, you'll really be conflicted. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> All, All right, right, man, take, take care. care. Thanks for joining Thanks, us. Here. Bye. Another, you know, member of the Match Madness edition of the Hang Time Podcast with some really interesting ties. David, David Aldrich. 
Our man D.A. wrote about it uh, in his morning tip about some of the, the interesting NBA slash NCAA connections. Tyler Hansbrough and his brother Ben at Notre Dame, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, and his dad, obviously, Tim Hardaway Jr. being a Michigan freshman, a uh, fabulous freshman for, for Michigan. Lang, I'm very curious to see, you know, Hansbrough mentioned it. Uh, you know, Evan Turner talked about it here on the show today. There are some guys who were college stars who are, you know, whose chance to shine on the NBA stage has maybe been delayed a bit. Hansborough had 29 in the garden, you know, outplayed basically everybody on the floor. I mean, it'd be very curious to see what these guys do going, you know, in the next year uh, and how their careers kind of evolve going forward, especially he and Evan Turner. I always, you know, and the one thing I've learned in the last, (laughs) if I've learned one thing in 10 years, (laughs) one thing I've learned is that, we always, t- I think we're a little too uh, picky and harsh with some of these college guys thinking, well, he's not going to do anything in the NBA. Right. You know, I mean, these are all really good players. <laughs> and they might not be all stars, but they, they, uh, they're going to be good players. And, you know, even like a, a Dewan Blair, where people were like, oh, he's, he's not going to do much. He's overrated. You he didn't know, have any maybe- ACLs. He didn't have any. Yeah, but he can still put up a double double <laughs> every know. night. You I know? know, I mean, there's a lot of guys like that, I think. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, we, we we cheated today. Let's just admit it. We cheated. We did. We talked NBA, but we talked as much college hoops as we talked NBA today. But we can do that. I mean, this is where you can marry the two uh, and get away with it. So uh, let's thank our guests, of course. Uh, Kenny Anderson. Chibs is always good on the Hangtime Podcast. you got to follow him on Twitter if you want to just get a real entertaining slice of life of a guy who's a former player and now moved into a different phase of his life. Uh, Chris Dorch, NBA.com and NBA TV's college basketball slash draft guru joined us for the first time of what should be many over the next few weeks as we uh, head towards the draft and then evan turner the philadelphia 76ers and tyler hansborough of the indiana pacers lang I'm, I'm gonna go fill out my bracket now we've talked to enough people that i figure i should be able to have some kind of semblance of order on my bracket i filled out mine this morning and there's one point where you have to pick like <laughs> it says like NCAA play in 11 or whatever because you don't know who's even going to be in the <laughs> until after Tuesday. So, but uh, maybe I should redo it now after we had this conversation. <laughs> I know a lot more than I did. I know I know a lot more names than I did before after talking yes. with, with Dorch and some of these guys. But uh, but we'll see. Hey, next week it'll be a, a, a totally different story. Somebody will, some teams will be gone from that that you know pool of teams in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. But uh, and our NBA teams will will have a better picture of who's going to survive the NBA's version of March Madness as well. Uh, we appreciate you joining us on the Hang Time Podcast as always. For Lane Krause, Micah Hart, and my main man Lane Whitaker, we'll see you next time. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com, and for more of Lane, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. Mm-hmm.